Seventy Baptist Church. This is the day the Lord has made. You should rejoice and be glad in it. When you got up this morning, you put your feet down on that cold floor. I bet you said praise the Lord, didn't you? <laughs> well, you know what they say about Texas. We have two seasons: summer and winter. Our winter we have for about a week around January, and we get another one in March for about three or four days, and that's what we call second winter. Amen. <laughs> then we'll go back to being uh, just hot. So praise God for that. Uh, enjoy it while you can. So I know that when it's cold outside, we as Texans get lethargic. We also get crazy. We also forget how to drive. So do be mindful when you're out there on the road this week. So praise God for that. It's good to see you today. We want to be here this morning. If you're visiting with us this morning, we're going to ask you to please take the time to fill out the little visitor card you'll find in front of you. Place it in the offering place and come around so we can have a record of your visit. We greatly appreciate that. If you're joining us online this morning, we want to welcome you as well. And ask you to consider being right here in the sanctuary with us. Experience what God is doing at Robinson Avenue Baptist Church. And speaking of what God is doing at RABC, let me invite you to what's happening this week. Now, some of you have had your heart set on attending the United Baptist Association of Texas annual meeting tonight over at Unity Baptist Church. However, they have canceled that. In an abundance of caution, they decided to cancel tonight's services for that. They will reschedule that in the near future, so we are open to when that is coming. Uh, and imagine it be at the same place, same time, just a different day. So prayerfully consider being a part of that when it comes back up. In the meantime, Robertson Avenue does intend to have services this evening. So instead of closing down, we will have services at 6, though there will be no choir practice this afternoon. And that's so that we can root on our blessed Dallas Cowboys. Somebody say amen. <laughs> They play at 3.30 against Green Bay in a wild card game, right? So that's why some of y'all are here this morning to pray for the Cowboys. I know. I know. <laughs> Somebody said I'm praying for the ruination of the Cowboys. All right. So it's going to be a good time and enjoy that. But we will have services tonight here at 6. Uh, I will let you out early. However, please be on the lookout if it's dangerous driving some driving conditions occur. We will cancel services. For that, I've already had a conversation with my deacons, and they too are in agreement with me that we're going to play it by ear until about 4.35 o'clock. If it's still looking clear, we're going to go ahead and get services. Please look out for an email that will come on Facebook pages and things of that nature if we can't services. All right? So in the meantime, our regularly scheduled services are still planned to have this week, so that will remind you that uh, ladies will be meeting Tuesday at 9.30 in the morning and Tuesday evening at 6.30. Please come and be a part of that. We'll have our Wednesday night prayer service Bible study right here in the sanctuary. And the men always meet on Thursday at 6.30. So come be a part of that. Uh, if you are of a mind to doing something wonderful this weekend, and I want to remind you that we're having our prayer breakfast at 7 a.m. right there in the fellowship hall this Saturday. Come and be a part of that and our men's prayer breakfast. And, of course, the young administrative team will be meeting this Saturday at 7.30. All right. I think that's it for our week's Advances. Oh, uh, I want to remind you to also be in prayer about our upcoming Why is That in the Bible Bible study. That's going to start next Monday at 6 and will end at 7. You are invited to be a part of that. No books necessary. Bring your favorite version of the Bible and we'll come and talk a little bit about some of those controversial subjects in the Bible that you might ask, why is that even in there? So be in prayer about that. It's going to be a lot of fun. All right. Uh, don't forget to be in prayer for your youth group. They get ready for their upcoming fundraiser on the 9th. So uh, it's going to be a lot of fun, and they are going to be 
uh, raising funds to get to winter camp, which will be in Michigan the February 4th. Who tells me the city's doing all that? I think that's it for the announcement. Oh, well, no, I have one. I got it. I got it. Heather's reminded me that in the foyer you will find that there is a neat little poster. And that poster is to celebrate the first anniversary of a couple we married here at Rock Heavy Baptist Church. They are now in North Carolina serving in the United States Marine Corps. And that's with Gordon and Katie Morrison. So if you are, yes, their first anniversary is right here. He made it. Amen. <laughs> he made it. She didn't kill him. So that's what we're praying for. All right. Now, they're wonderful people. Betsy and I get to talk to Katie and Gordon almost every day. It's, it's a blessing to have a daughter-in-law who loves to speak to her mother-in-law. And it even calls me and says, I'm bored. What are you doing? And so that's a beautiful thing. I do. I love it. I wouldn't trade that for anything in the world. So I love that. So, But if you want to sign that, that's going to go out in the mail this week. It's Heather is heading that up. And thank you for that, Heather. What a blessing that is. Wish them a, a happy first anniversary. And their intentions are is when they get back to Texas to come right back to Austin Avenue. So keep them in your prayers. All right. I think that's it for those announcements. Unless there's something else I forgot. All right. If not, let's go to the order of prayer. And after we pray, we can please rise and welcome one another. Father God, we come to you in Jesus' name. And Lord God, we just want to give you the praise, honor, and glory. I know it's cold outside, Lord, and I know the snow is kind of spitting. But inside, Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit would fall down like rain, Lord. They would move and touch each and every heart. That if there be anyone that needs to come to know you as personal Lord and Savior, that saves you today. Or anyone, Father God, that needs to be a part of Rock Avenue, would you let save you that day? Would you bring home, Lord, a grave of souls and restore, Lord, those who have broken relationship with you, Lord? And encourage those, Lord, who are wondering if you have heard their voice. I also pray, Lord, you be with our church members throughout the family and those that are homesick, Lord, and those that were afraid to come out in the weather today. Bless them, Lord God. Let them know that you are with them. You'll never leave them or forsake them. Give them traveling mercy. Bring them safely back to us and go with us now, Father God, as we worship you. Be glorified with us. Give us any praise. Amen. Please rise and welcome one another.
If you would, please make your way back to your seats. We can continue on with our service. I do have one more announcement I want to share with you. If you would, bring your way back to your seats. I understand that uh, we had a, a family yesterday have, well, a day or two ago, have a new grandchild added to their family. So let's give congratulations to the labor family. Got a brand new grandchild. Amen. Blessed be the name of the Lord. <laughs> I think that's beautiful. I got to see pictures of that precious baby today. So praise God in that. All right. With that being said, Brother Mark, come lead us in worship.
Trevor. Thank you, Sister Stacy. Thank you, Brother Mark. What a blessing. What a blessing. serpent, we may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, 
but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Are we looking at the first sin when we read through that? Are we looking at the very first sin that ever occurred in a lot of people would say, yes, we are. We're looking at that very first sin. And that sin brought death and despair. It brought sin. It brought disease and destruction. I'm not so sure that's the very first sin. And I'm not an in-depth theologian. But I don't believe we're looking at the first sin today. So I believe the answer to that question is no. We're not looking at the first sin, though I do believe we are looking at the first sin from mankind. Man's first sin. I don't know about you, but when I think about sin, I think about the things I've done in my life that are sinful. Now, we could put out those ten big sins, you know, honoring mom and dad, and my teenage years alone are enough to let me know I sinned right there. And if you're truthful, you'd say amen right now. And most of us would also say we've coveted, we've lusted, we've stolen, we've lied. We've broken the Sabbath day. We've had other things in front of God. We've created idols. Hey, Pastor, I remember when it was an idol. No, no, no. A lot of times we make a God suitable for our own image. That's comfortable with us. That we're comfortable with Him. And we curl up with Him in our beds at night saying, It's okay. And He's okay. And I'm okay. And really, Sin is the problem. And sin is what's causing your problem. See, right now, you might be thinking, Pastor, all I need to do is get my marriage fixed. No, no, no. Sin is what's destroying your marriage. That's right. Amen. You might be saying, Pastor, all I need to do is get my college back on track. Sin is what's destroying your learning. Sin is the problem. Sin is always the problem. Sin is what is there when you turn away from God. Of course, we look in Genesis chapter 3. We're not looking at the first sin. We're looking at the first sin that involves man. Obviously, the devil has sinned first. Obviously. Obviously. How do we know this? Because we read things like Ezekiel 28, 15, and I'm not going to direct you there, there, but I, I want to whet your appetite with it. If you are one of those that likes to look at what happened before Mankind even there, how Satan fell, Lucifer fell, and how the church started. I want to remind you, you can read a little bit about Ezekiel 28, 15, where God said, I found iniquity in your heart. Perhaps we can be reminded of John 8, 44, where Jesus tells us a little bit about the devil. He says, you are your father, the devil, and the desires of your father, you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning. He does not stand in the truth. Because there's no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of it. Can I ask you a question? Sister, when's the last time you lied? Some of you lied this morning. You know, lies come from the devil, and he's the father of it. So we can see that sin came to existence for Adam and Eve. Sin was there. It wasn't in man's life until that particular moment. 
Now we know theologically what happens there. Sin spreads all over the earth. Rebellion spreads all over the earth. A desire for self-centeredness comes all over the earth. And we see the long-ranging effects of sin. But I want to talk to you today about how sin has shaped our 2024. Now it's only January 14th. It's still early in the year. In fact, it's only been two weeks in the year. And most of us have already broke our New Year's resolution. Somebody say amen. True. Do you consider that sin? Some of us have made it a promise to God and said, God, I promise to pray more. God, I promise to be in church more. God, I promise to be more in your word. And we've already broken up. Some of us made more practical New Year's resolutions. Lord, I want to lose weight. You lie. <laughs> well, I guess I need an amen in the Baptist church. Lord, I'm going to eat healthier. Whopper, tell the truth. Tell the truth and shame the devil. <laughs> no. Some of us have already, of course, we are going to maintain their New Year's resolutions and maintain their, their, their promises and their commitments to God and God bless those people. I'm telling you right now, that's not the picture of what's happening in 2024. You see, what's happened in 2024 is we've lost our way as a people. In fact, we're losing our way as a church. And deep down inside, the church is supposed to be the city set on the hill. We're supposed to be the light of the world. Can somebody get excited with me this morning? We're supposed to be that shining example for everybody else to see. But somewhere down the line, the church has started agreeing with the world. Somewhere down the line, we started saying, well, divorce is okay. Homosexuality is okay. Drug use is okay. Right now, I'm going to give you some statistics. These statistics are not 100% accurate because they come from different magazines. They're going to come from different people. But I want you to know something right now, and this is a little scary. Right now, we are, as a church, assimilating into the world. We are starting to become more and more worldly because we don't want to offend the world. That's the problem that we have. And what we've done is we've created the issues we're having in 2024. You say, Pastor, what are you talking about? Well, we're talking about sin. We're talking about sin and how sin has affected us. It's affecting everything we do. It's affecting the United States of America. It's affecting marriages. It's affecting children. It's affecting you. Sin. It is growing like a cancer. It is spreading its ugly, evil face all over our world. One heart, one family, one person at a time. And we want to make we say, well, I don't want to make you mad at me, so this is okay. That's not okay, but this is okay. And out of a sudden, what was once black and white is now gray. All gray. And there is no standard of righteousness anymore. Like I told you before, I want to give you some statistics now. And these aren't 100% reliable statistics, but they're just something to uh, kind of shock you a little bit. Did you know right now, inside of the modern American church, the majority of our churches, We've assimilated ourselves into the world. We have allowed homosexuality behind our pulpit. We have allowed immorality behind our pulpit. We've allowed somebody to own the church. Can I remind you who the head of the church is? Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is. And what we've done is assimilate ourselves into the world. Let's be more 
business-like. Let's be more worldly. Let's be more like those CEOs. Thank God, Rock Sanders not like that. Because I don't look like any of those business CEOs. Praise God. I'd have to have spiky hair, frayed out blue jeans, low-cut converse, and I'd have to be skinny. Not just that, but nowadays we want a pastor who's six foot five. That is not going to happen, no matter how much miracle grow you give me. True. In fact, a lot of people tell me all the time, Pastor, you'd be a wonderful man if you were six foot or higher. Could you imagine how loud my voice would be if I was six foot tall? I would blow your eardrums out. Yeah. God knows what He's doing. Here's the deal, though. We have allowed sin to come inside the church. Now, I'm not picking on Robertson Avenue anymore. I'm picking on the church throughout the United States of America. We've embraced sin. We've made a deal with sin. We accept sin. And therefore, sin has become normalized in the church. Right now, in the American church, over 50% of our pastors are living in sin. Over 50% of them, according to Christianity today, have a problem with some sort of sexual sin on their phones. And they're preaching from the pulpit. They are teaching in our classrooms, teaching in our seminaries. Yeah. Right now, over half of our ministers don't take the Word of God seriously. Right now, our seminaries are teaching that the Bible is myth, and that the Bible is, well, to be taken as hearsay. Sacred marriage was, well, you made a mistake, no problem. You made a mistake, no problem. And right now, it is common to go into a church where the pastor's been married four, five, six, seven times. And there is no commitment. And there is no covenant. And there is no covenant. And there is no regard. I want to remind you what Jesus said in John 8 44 that lies. Come from the devil. He speaks. He speaks nothing but a lie. He's the father of lies. And when a lie comes, it comes from his own resource. So let's talk a little bit about sin. What is sin? It's affecting our churches today. It's affecting our families today. It's affecting our country today. Because we've allowed sin to grow so much, we are dealing right now with the problem of homosexuality in America. Right now, we're afraid to confront the LGBTQ plus minus three, whatever it may be, agenda, because we have assimilated into sin. And we're afraid of offending. We shouldn't be afraid of offending. We should be afraid of God's judgment for accepting we're supposed to be His life. We're supposed to be His example. We're raising just as many homosexuals as the world is because the world is telling us, oh, don't tell that kid no. Don't tell that kid no. Let me tell you, I love to tell a kid no, especially my own. Somebody, somebody knows what I'm talking about. There's nothing greater than being a father. I love being a father, but there's nothing better than when you get to tell your kid, take that trash out. I remember my eldest one day. He came into the kitchen and I said, Take the trash out, son. He said, Why do I have to do that? And I gave him a biblical example. I said, Because God has laid the responsibility of the family upon the husband. That's me. And therefore, you're raising, you're rearing, your admonition in the Lord falls squarely upon me. And God will judge me if I don't teach you right from wrong. Now take the trash out before I show you. 
That's true. We subtract that. We have accepted sin as though it's normal. And sin is killing us. It's killing our families. We let sin into our marriage. Listen to me, husband. Listen to me, wife. When you let sin into your marriage, that's what's cutting it half. You come to the church and say, Pastor, I want to fix my relationship with my wife. You know what you got to do? Get rid of your pornography. Somebody say amen. Pornography is poison, and it's killing you, and it's killing your relationship, and it's killing your wife. You may not think she knows, but brother, she knows. Yes, she does. How many of you know the truth? Women know everything. What about you? They do. And you think you're hiding? You ain't hiding. She knows. And she's hurting and crying and dying inside. And you say, what's wrong, baby? She says, nothing. And you know, that's a lie. However, you're destroying your relationship because of sin. So what is sin? What is sin? Well, the Bible tells us in 1 John 3 and verse 4 exactly what sin is. Wait for it to pop up here on the screen and tell me in a second. 1 John 3, 4 tells us what sin is. Whoever commits sin also commits lawlessness. And sin is, help me out, church, lawlessness. Lawlessness. No fear of God's law. And that's what sin is. Is when you move from the realm of the fear of the Lord into the realm of what's okay. Does that describe you and your Christian walk this morning? Perhaps you're online and you're saying, I've been looking for a church that preaches against it. Hello? All you got to do is come to Robertson Avenue. You might be saying, Pastor, I've been looking for a church that condemns sin. Hello? You've been missing God's church because you're sitting on the couch for far too long. Incidentally, not assembling with God's people is a sin. You need to get up and get into church. Some of us sit there and say, I'd rather do this, I'd rather do that, I'd rather be here, I'd rather be there. There is no greater place to be on the Lord's day than with God's people in God's house. Quit assimilating into the world. Quit letting the world tell you what's fun. Have you watched commercials nowadays? You know, they make it sound like all you got to do is buy a 12-pack of Coors Light. And out of a sudden, whatever party you're in is automatically fun. You know, that's a lie, and the father of lies is the devil. Yeah. How many of you know that it takes a lot more than beer to make a party fun? You know what makes a party fun? I'm speaking purely from a Baptist point of view. You know what makes a party fun? Food. You want me to be the life of the party? Put out a box of Twinkies. I'm telling you, man, I will dance and beat a little teapot and everything for that Twinkie. <laughs> What is the problem? The problem is we've accepted sin. And the Bible tells us what sin is. The sin is lawlessness. So I'll ask you a question. Are you lawless in God's eyes? In other words, are you taking God's morality? Are you taking God's word? And you're putting it in the sink. You're putting it in the trash can. And you're treating it like it's of no find out that you have several words that are used for sin. Now, the Greek word we have here for sin is hamartia. I love that word, hamartia. You know what hamartia literally means in Greek? It means character flaw. Character flaw. That's what hamartia means. And deep down inside, we chose that in Greek, or the Greek theologians chose that to represent sin because we didn't really have a good equivalent in the Hebrew word. Hebrew word means 
rebellion. It means somebody who knows God's word, knows God's law, and says, I ain't going to do it anyway. Let me take a look at sin through a simpler concept. How we might understand it, how we might put it to work in our lives. Perhaps you say, Pastor, right now, I don't need to go any further. Sin is in my marriage, sin is in my house, sin is with me and my children, sin is everywhere around me. You don't need to preach anymore. Wrong, sister, wrong, brother. We need to find out what sin is and why we allow sin to jump in and rule and reign in our lives. Look at me in Psalm 2511. Let me take a look at one of the pictures, the biblical pictures of sin. Now, we know sin is lawlessness. We know what sin is. It's a complete disregard of God's law. It is telling God, your laws don't matter. Your ways don't matter. Your people don't matter. Does that describe you this morning? Well, you know what? There's other ways we express sin as well. Look at me in Psalm 25, verse 11. This is the psalmist here. He says, For your name's sake, O Lord, pardon my iniquity for your great... Now, what is iniquity? What is it? Well, sin. Somebody said it. Amen. That's what iniquity is. But iniquity has a deeper meaning than just sin. Remember, sin is kind of a generic term for all, all lawlessness. But iniquity is when we do something a little bit different. What is iniquity? What is iniquity to you? Iniquity is kind of, look about that for a minute. In fact, the Hebrew word is avon, avon. I know you're already thinking avon. Don't, get, don't go there. Don't go there. Don't go there. Avon, avon. Notice twice in Hebrew for iniquity. Avon, avon. And it's got this picture that you read in the Hebrew of your fault. Come to the point where they're overflowing. Like your cup fills up. Remember when you read in Psalm 23, my cup runneth over. And so when you look at iniquity, it's like my heart is overflowing with sin and hatred and overflowing with immorality and I don't care and rebellion. That's the picture of iniquity. In fact, if you were to look like in Genesis 15, 16, you get a real good picture of what iniquity is. Look here as God is speaking to Father Abraham. He says, but in the fourth generation they shall return here. Your Hebrew children, Abraham, the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. So you get the picture of the iniquity of being something that fills up. Incidentally, we can glean from Genesis 15, 16 that it's something God can see even when it's not full. Even when it's just there in your heart. Am I talking to you this morning? There is no choir for me to preach to this morning, so I must be preaching to you. Do you get that idea that God is talking to you? You might be saying, Pastor, I've got that iniquity in my heart, and I know it's going to grow up. And you know what's funny? I'm not preaching to to anybody that doesn't know this morning. You know, because I've been there before, where that iniquity is and what it's going to lead you to. And you still stay on the same path anyways. Why? Because it's because you've assimilated into the world. You've accepted it as natural, as normal. I want to go this way. That's what iniquity is. And God tells Father Abraham, their iniquity is not quite full. And boy, if you learn anything from the Amorites, you know what their iniquity is. Idolatry. Idolatry. Child sacrifice. Broken covenant. When man 
why. And I want you to look at the United States of America today. Our iniquity. I don't believe it's full yet, but we are sacrificing our children on the altar of Baal in the name of abortion. And we are breaking covenant from husband to wife every day. And one of these days, our iniquity is going to overflow. And the wrath and the judgment of God will be poured out. I know what I'm doing is wrong, and God's not judging me on it yet. You know why? Because it's not full yet. It's iniquity. It hasn't come to maturity yet. Let's talk about maturity for a second. Now, I'm going to talk about something that we don't really talk about in Baptist churches. I'm going to talk about a bottle of wine. Y'all are looking at me like a part of the man you did. A bottle of wine. Wine with children. And so I've been told that certain wines, the longer it sits, the better it gets. So I often tell Betsy, you're like a bottle of wine. The longer you're with me, the better you get. Right? That's right. You want to hear something funny? Don't look at me now like I've sinned, but you want to hear something funny? Christmas time came around. Betsy's mom and dad, Christmas or something, it's the third anniversary, coming around on, on December 23rd, something like really close to Christmas. But Betsy did what most of us do. Let's get mom and dad an anniversary gift, but it'll also be their Christmas gift. You know, you ever said that? You ever have a kid born on the 21st, 22nd, 23rd, and you tell that kid, this was not just your birthday, it's Christmas too, right? You ever been there before? <laughs> yeah. I wonder if the wise men did that to Jesus. This is not just your birthday present. <laughs> Christmas too. <laughs> Here's the deal, though. That's, what are we going to get? What are we going to get my mom and dad now? Betsy's mom and dad are not bad. I know, I know. Keep the booze there. Here's the point, though. Let's give him a bottle of wine. I said, I can't do that. He said, yes, you can. You're not drinking it. We happened to be in Killeen, so we went over to, right next to the pet store, there was a, I don't remember the name, it was kind of rabbit. Uh-huh. I know where you've been now. Got a rabbit. Black. I went up in there, and let me tell you, I was on guard, too. Looking all around. Who's going to recognize the pastor? I'm on TV. I knew I can't go anywhere without somebody pulling up the chair next to me and saying, I saw you on TV. I can't pump gas without someone saying, you're on television nowadays. And they'll introduce themselves, and they come back up six weeks later and expect you to remember the name. And let me tell you, thank God for the generic Christian term, brother or sister. Praise God. How you doing, brother? Good to see you. There I was, in specs with Betsy. We didn't know what we were looking for. We didn't know what they liked or anything like that. So Betsy gets on the phone and calls her brother. Says, what is wrong with Of course, he texts it out for her. I take that phone to Betsy. I walk right up to the first employee I could find. And I say, I need this right here. And the lady's like, you got to talk to somebody else. And I was like, you're not making this easy, ma'am. I want to get in here and out of here. Needless to say, we purchased a bottle of some sort of German wine from Betsy's mom and dad, and they love it dearly. And they're, they're not alcoholics at all. Something they indulge in once or twice a year. And I, I praise God for people like that. You might be one of those that say, hey, I could do it like that. So some people ask me all the time, Pastor, is alcoholic sin? No. No. But I will tell you this. The church is doing your witness for your church. Let me tell you something else. Those of you out there who can have that 
glass of wine every now and then and walk away from it. God bless you. God, we need people like that in the church today who have self-control. And let me tell you why I can't have any alcohol. I have no self-control. And put me around a box of tweezers and you'll witness it. So you understand the picture. You understand the picture there. It's called lasciviousness, right? Lack of self-control. Here's the deal. We bought that. Of course, they put it in a brown paper bag. Coiled it up at the top. And I'm thinking, oh, dear Lord. <laughs> and we get it out there. I don't know, you know what year it was or anything like that. It wasn't very expensive. But then I found out the best thing They are going to do, they run security. They're going to look there and they're going to put that hold on there and say, somebody stole your debit card and they purchased it. Thank God that did not happen. <laughs> uh, I had a lot of fun with it. It was a running joke throughout Christmas. I bet your mom and dad appreciated the gift and the thought and things like that and wanted to. I don't know if they actually drank it or not. I don't care. All I know is, somehow or another, I got my job done. I got them a Christmas present and an anniversary present, all on the 23rd of December. Praise God. Got all my Christmas shopping done on the 23rd. That's not the point, though. The point is, it's like that bottle of wine. And all those sips are going to be better. I want you to know iniquity is a lot like that as well. Except it doesn't get better. It gets more and more rancid. It gets more and more potent. It gets more and more powerful to the point where you finally pop the cork and it blows over everything and it takes over everything. And that's what we did with homosexuality. That's what we did with drug abuse in the 1960s. That's what we've done with abortion. And we haven't addressed it as sin. We've let it assimilate into our culture. And what was once black and white is now gray. Psalm 51 and verse 1. Most of us know David's sin. Because David's such a wonderful guy, and he is. I love David. David serves as Israel's second king, and in my opinion, serves as a prophet, and my opinion, serves as a standard for us. Oh, he's an amazing man. Do they have problems? Absolutely. Do they have family problems? Absolutely. Here's one of his sins right here. You know, one day he stayed home because I don't feel like going. You know, the time when kings go to war? You're familiar with the story of David and Bathsheba. David should have been out with his troops. David stays home because he's large and in charge. And let me tell you, already the sin is starting. How many of you get self-centered? And when you start getting self-centered, sin is at your doorstep. Here is David. I'll stay home. While he's up on the rooftop, you know who he's fine. Little Bathsheba with his little Olaf. Of course, you've read the rest of the story, so I'm not going to waste your time in that. David and Bathsheba commit adultery. A baby is then brought forth from that unholy union, and David panics. Like most of 2024 preachers on TV nowadays. Oh my goodness, what are we going to do? So he connives a horrible plan. 
this plan called transgression. Look with me in Psalm 51, verse 1. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies. Blot out my transgression. What is a transgression? Transgression isn't like iniquity where I keep on doing something till it overflows and I assimilate it to the world. Transgression is where I step over God's law and say that no longer matters. Transgression is when God's word, God's law, God's people no longer matter. And if you want my personal opinion, then that's where most of the modern day church is today. We're in transgression. God's law no longer David built a plan to make his own life. I'll make it right. You understand the transgression? I'll make it holy. I'll make it acceptable. I'll make it okay. Does that sound like you this morning? That's what transgression is. David was in repentance. Blot out my transgression. Blot out my own attempt to make myself right. might be full of iniquity, and it's getting fuller and fuller, and you know it's about to come out of your ears. You might be full of transgression, and you know it's about to spill over into judgment. You might be sitting in the pew this morning saying, I am holy. I'm so holy that the only aspirin I'll take is St. Joseph. You might be saying, I'm righteous, I'm good. You might be online saying, he ain't preaching to me. He's preaching to my best friend. She needs to go to church. Go to you. Look at me in Romans 3.26. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Every one of us has iniquity. Every one of us is full of transgression. And that's just a small picture of what sin is. You can look into the guilt. You can look into the other sins that are there. And each and every one of us describes our hearts. In fact, the Bible tells us in the book of Genesis, our hearts are nothing but evil since our youth. Our imagination is full of nothing but evil since the day we were born. Romans 3 says, For all the sin and fallen short of the glory of God. You're not left out. Every one of us has. Incidentally, you might be saying, no one will know about it. I want you to look at me in Numbers 32, 23. But if you do not do so, then take note. Ye have sinned against the Lord your God. And be sure thy sin will find thee. It will find you. It will come back home. You know what the Scripture says. You will reap what you have. It doesn't matter how righteous you think you are, how holy you think you are, how put together, how much together you think you have it. For all the sin comes story the glory of God. And every one of us, our sin will find us out one day. What you've hidden from your teenage years will be displayed publicly. And there's a debt that comes with it. A debt that comes with that sin. A debt that you can't pay. A debt that you can't possibly begin to pay. In fact, look at me in Romans 6.23. For the wages of sin is death. The wages of sin, that is what you earn for your sin. 
You've earned it for your iniquity. You've earned it for your transgressions. You've earned it for your rebellion. You've earned it for your hamatias. You've earned it for saying no to God, for stepping out of God's will. You have earned that. You say, wages. Wages. What do wages mean to me? Well, I know nowadays in the year 2024, we don't like to give paper checks anymore. We like to do everything direct deposit, don't we? Then you get your check stub a week later, and you look down at the bottom, and it may have or may not have nowadays. Wages, six, six thousand. I know when you get your W two or your W four or your ten ninety nine, it'll say wages, six, and salary. Incidentally, you'll be in iniquity with the U.S. government if you don't get those out by January thirty first. Somebody say amen. Good. Incidentally, you'll be in iniquity with the U.S. government if you don't pay your taxes by April fifteenth. You begin to see the picture here. Wages are what you've earned. When you sin, you are earning death. In fact, if you'll read through Romans, you'll read through Paul's writings, you're going to find out that we store up wrath against us on the day of death. Because the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God, says my Bible, eternal life of Christ Jesus our Lord. Not only do we have this hopeless picture, this bleak picture of mankind who's assimilated into the world, who's assimilated with sin and accepted sin and let sin control us. Not only are we full of iniquity and not only are we full of transgression, not only do we have no hope, but God has given us now an escape now. Look with me again in Romans 6.23. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. But that butt is the biggest butt I've ever seen. That butt is so big, it gives you an alternate path. It gives you another direction. You don't have to continue down the lifestyle of sin. You don't have to continue down the lifestyle of iniquity or continue transgressing. You can come to the free gift of God. In fact, I want to show with you how powerful how powerful it is, how much it's controlling us in our world. Look with me in Romans 14, verse 23. Just the last part of it. It says, For whatever is not from faith is sin. Whatever is not from faith is sin. Am I talking to you this morning? Are you the one that's sitting there saying, I need that relationship with Jesus Christ, but I don't want to give up my sin? That's iniquity. Might be saying, I know Jesus Christ, but I don't care what he says. That's transgression. You might be saying, Pastor. I like what you said about Romans 6 26 and the way you see his death. But the gift of God is eternal life. I want that to be. I want to share with you how you get that life. The Bible tells us that you will believe in your heart and confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, thou shalt. If you were to look with me in Romans chapter 10, if you were to read verse 9, you'd find out that with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For if you believe with your heart and confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, you will be saved. If you go down to verse 13, the Bible tells us, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. There's hope. There's an answer to that sin, that cancer that's spreading all over the world today. It's spreading all over the United States of America. It's overtaking us. You know what? 
we are just plumb off the chain here in the U.S. Army. We don't know right from wrong. We don't know facts from fiction anymore. We don't know boys from girls anymore. We don't know what restroom to use anymore. We don't know if a boy should compete in girls' sports anymore. Can't tell me that we are not plumb loco. Somebody say amen. What is wrong with us? You know what that is? Iniquity, assimilation, acceptance, and moving into transgression. We call it sin. Sin is a three-letter word. That three-letter word you just found out in Romans 6.23 has a lifelong sentence, though. It's just a three-letter word, but has a lifelong sentence. For the wages of sin is death. In fact, if the wages of sin is death, I want to challenge you to quit before payment. Are you willing to come and put Jesus in your heart this morning? Have to say, Pastor, I am a Christian, but I have let sin in my life, and I have let sin start controlling me. I want to get right with God. Would you be willing to come today and be humble before Him? The Bible tells us in the book of James, if we will humble ourselves in His sight, He will lift us up in due time. Perhaps you say, Pastor, I am a Christian, and I am walking right, but I need to be a member of the church. Would you be willing to come to be a part of our strategy this morning? Perhaps you say, Brother John, I'm a Christian, but it's time for me to be baptized. Whatever the case may be, we're going to close in a word of prayer and see if spoken to you this morning. Would you be willing to come? Whatever the case may be, would you humble yourself? Give yourself to Jesus. Father, I come to you now in Jesus' name. Oh, how I thank you, Lord, for your word. I'm asking you to take charge even now and be glorified, be magnified, be lifted up in our hearts and our lives. If there be anyone that needs to come to know you, would you let today be their day? For anyone, Father God, that needs to get their walk right with you, would you let now be the time? For anyone, Lord God, that needs to be a part of your body here at Robson Avenue, would you let today be that day? For in Jesus' great and mighty name we pray. Amen. Would you come as we sing? There is a fountain filled with blood. Would you come this morning? Wages can be paid with some
all hope you enjoyed your time of worship here with us at Robert Avenue Baptist Church. Don't forget, we'll be meeting here tonight at 6 p.m. Remember, UBAT was canceled, and I know it broke my heart, and uh, but we'll reschedule that here in the near future. But we'll plan on meeting here at 6, unless the weather turns bad. So let us start turning bad. Check your emails, and I'll send out a group email that says, are you from campus? Uh, so we'll be looking at that. My deacons and I will be speaking about that, so we're watching that. In the meantime, I want to wish you a great and happy Lord's Day. And I want to ask you to keep in prayer our youth group as they get ready to have the next fundraiser in just a week or two. And, well, about three weeks. And then get ready to pray for them as they go out to youth camp. We're sending 11 youth, I think it is, uh, all to youth camp. Praise God. It's going to be a wonderful time in that. Pray for them in that. All right. Let's close in that word of prayer. And, uh, well, Brother Mark, do you have a closing hymn today? I finally remembered... I want you to know he paid me ten bucks, though, to remember that. Payable, payable in a box of Twinkies. There you go. All right. Brother Mark, come and close us in that last prayer. Uh, excuse me, last hymn. Let's pray together. And I'm going to ask, oh, my goodness, way back in the back, we've got this wonderful guy named Brother Jay. He prayed this prayer time.